American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and it's time for this week's Friday Morning GM with co-host Voss Larico. So, Baltimore Beatdown. Voss, how are you doing? Very well, Ken. Very well. I uh, had the opportunity to take my children to their first live game, and although the forecast didn't cooperate, the game strip script certainly did. A uh, game we're going to remember for a long time. All right. Yeah, you, you were telling me about that. You guys, where are your seats located? We were in right below the press box, actually. I turned around behind me and yeah. saw Kyle Barber right there. Uh, 124. One, That's right. Yep. Yep. Totally yeah. Right. Good seats. Right right sideline for the return, right sideline for the Beckham touchdown. So, uh, yeah, it was great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Well, your kids appreciate it. Do they, do they stay engaged? Do they have to be taken home early? Any of that? Well, you said you stayed to the end, right? Uh, absolutely stayed till the end. I offered to take them home early on the way downtown, but uh, they said, no, we want to stay. And they were screaming their lungs off on third down all the way through. <laughs> Very good. That was a, that was a defining characteristic of this game. That I'm really going to remember is just how loud it was and, and how reverberative the, uh, that stadium was. All right. We got lots of things to talk about on, uh, on Friday morning GM day, but let's start with some housekeeping items, a little bit of movement at the margin of the roster and the Ravens, I think had been holding a roster spot open. I believe since the Andrews injury mm-hmm. um, in order to um, uh, move somebody onto the roster potentially. And, and Pepe was at the end of his three week window and was activated just now. And, you know, it happens to coincide with the uh, loss of Hamilton. Yes, fortuitous timing there for sure. So Pepe's back into the fold. I'm not so sure he's an upgrade over Mollett. I think they're both sort of similar players, scrappy type of guys that might not have the athleticism to really mirror uh, shifty receivers downfield. Uh, But, adding another body to a, a position that now needs some help. And um, I don't know. I, I personally think maybe Marlon Humphrey in the interim uh, might be the best slot option and with Ronald Darby on the perimeter. But uh, the more the more options, the better at this point. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that, 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 that it was one extra. But it was a it, they were down a defensive back. Pepe is a guy who has a little bit of experience at safety too. And somehow the Ravens needed to, need to have one more defensive back. And – 
I thought it was actually kind of strange Rocky Yassin sitting out of this last game, but yeah, this last game, yeah, he's he sat. Yes. Um, odd, healthy scratch, but uh, mm-hmm. but one where they, you know, it might have been Tylen Wallace got the spot as as the last special teams player. And Jalen Armour Davis was active, uh, and he actually made a pretty good block on uh, on the punt return. So um, it seems that at that point they're. I mean, if Darby is not earning a playing time on defense um, after the way he's played this season, it's hard to see a reason to keep Yassine active. Uh, but now that equation changes potentially without Hamilton in the uh, in the short term. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You'd want Yassine as a backup on the outside, and and in particular, you'd want him if you're planning to go back to Darby as a regular on the outside with Humphrey in the slot, which is that's going to end up being the Ravens have played about you know eighty. 84% nickel this year, right, right around there. So, you know, it's, it's five, six of the plays. They're going to want, want to have Humphrey on the inside. If they, if they decided to go that route, I think there's a lot to be said for that, by the way, physical presence inside um, gives them uh, the most similar player they can field to Hamilton in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely takes something away from the outside, but Darby's played so well that it's hard to really be concerned about that at this exact point. Um, you know, if, if he, if Darby were to go in again, it's funny Darby, actually got he was the guy who bumped Kyle Fuller out of the mm-hmm. slot position two years ago at Denver which made Fuller available last year huh. to the Ravens for, uh, I didn't I didn't remember that yeah it's the it's the Denver slot man pipeline I guess yeah, there you go there you go all right so at the same time uh, uh Devin Duvernay uh obviously wasn't in for the punt return the big one uh he's on IR with a back injury uh, don't know how serious that is, but a four-week injury at this point in the season basically means your season is over. Uh, I don't think they would have for sure put him on IR if they were hoping to DTR him. They still have a couple hmm. of DTRs, but I don't think they would. They would. Um, I don't think they would necessarily make the move at this point when you're short on bodies who can help you anyway. Because you're at a point where the, where the roster is, is largely degraded. You know, the, the, the players on the margin of the roster can't help you in the same way they can early in the season. And early in the season, remember, they had everybody as a as walking wounded on the mm-hmm. on the um, inactive list, mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. all the starters. So now they they would actually probably have room to do that kind of thing now. Given you know, there's a few guys like Salah and whatnot. They don't want to activate on game day that are just there for you know a 2024 placeholder, but. There's, there's, uh, you know, right now this is should be time they could tolerate some of that walking wounded nature if they thought the person would be back within four weeks. Agreed. Uh, apparently, Harper intimated that he does expect Duvernay back for the postseason. Uh, I'm not sure what you're really getting out of Duvernay at this point. Wallace took his his very limited few three, four, five a game snaps on offense the last few weeks and now you know he broke off the longest return of the season obviously um so i expect wallace to be the return man going forward i'm not sure if it's worth reactivating duvernay when the time comes and i expect probably malik harrison uh now that he is practicing in full um this week off the groin injury to to get that last game day in activation yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And and we saw even on that first drive where the Ravens normally would have played a lot of base defense and had Harrison on opposite Robinson. Instead, they had Van Noy on for a fair amount. Some of it was clowning opposite Robinson. Um, I think they'll want to go back to that because they really want to restrict snaps for their big three pass rushers and keep them as fresh as possible. Um, this, this this last week wasn't a great game for pass rushing anyway, just because of the conditions. But sure. I thought that if if you had Harrison in there, he could have really helped you in run defense on early downs. 
Agree, agreed. I think they did miss his presence. Van Noy, I pretty much took most of his snaps from what I could tell just comparing to the previous few weeks. But uh, you want to keep Van Noy and Clowney fresh? I think they're doing a fantastic job of rotating bodies to keep everyone fresh Mm -hmm. at pretty much every single position group with the exception of the defensive line. Yeah, they. I mean, they don't have backups at inside linebacker. Those guys play every snap, but it's not. Those are positions where it's fairly common across the league to have a committed nickel mm-hmm. team plus a couple hundred percent guys there, and that's why your green dots only come from four positions. They come from either of the two safety mm-hmm. positions, or they come from either to the inside linebacker positions. Um, but you almost never have it from an, for another uh, from another slot. But on the defensive line, um, yeah, they they've one of the problems with this year has been they haven't had anybody to kick inside. So mm-hmm. if you if you have a, a an extra OLB to kick inside, then you can reduce those defensive line snaps a little bit. And now they're still averaging about forty three. The, the the package that they played this last week a lot was the open um, nickel, the uncovered uh, end where where they had Urban as an outside linebacker on one side, uh, outside linebacker that's wrong. He's a five tech on one side and the outside mm-hmm. linebacker on the other, but only one outside linebacker. And that's mm-hmm. one of the ways you can put three defensive linemen on the field. And make a sacrifice. You can do it in base package. You can do it with that uncovered look where you still maintain two inside linebackers and five defensive backs. And you can do it with a jumbo nickel, which is something the Ravens have used in the past, but they haven't used this year, where you take one of your inside linebackers off in order to put mm-hmm. a third defensive lineman on. So I thought Urban, by the way, played really well this last week. Um, he, he was the guy. He was a, a big help to the run defense. Agreed. Agreed. And that's that's the uh, this is the type of team where his his – skill set comes in, in handy the most when you have to go to base and there are going to be facing some teams uh, that also branch off of this Shanahan tree uh, in the coming weeks. All right. Well, great. Well, I, the other guy who's been sitting for a while now is Malik Ham. And I think, I don't remember if he has two weeks left or one week left now. It may only be. No, it might be one two more, more weeks. It is only one. He was one week behind Pepe, if I recall. Okay, he's one week behind Pepe. He's only got one more, obviously. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. be, by next Tuesday, they have to make a decision on him. Uh, we talked a little bit about his presence on the on the um, IRDTR list as being kind of a prophylactic thing, as it was with Pepe, and they really it really paid off <laughs> to have the mm-hmm. prophylactic in this case. Um, it might or might not with Malik Ham, but uh, if the Ravens were to have an injury there, and obviously the the big one would be if if. Um, uh, Harrison was to get hurt again somehow, then I think Ham pr- could provide some of that run defense and I think some some uh, coverage skills that the Ravens really haven't had from that position all season. They've done it a little bit with Kyle Van Noy, but much less than in previous years. So I think if Ham comes back, we'll see more of a more of a traditional Sam linebacker in the Ravens sense that you get you get some um, uh, pass rush flexibility out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other the other big note that kind of dovetails into this the comment about him is the addition of Malik Cunningham uh, Patriots, former Louisville quarterback was with the Patriots is now on the Ravens uh, active roster. So they now have four quarterbacks <laughs> on the 53. Uh, I personally think that's too many. I yeah. think you can make a case three is too many. And I would like to see uh, one of those quarterbacks, probably Johnson or Huntley jettisoned uh, in favor of either a defensive lineman or uh, maybe activation of Billy Cam, which does allow you to go to that jumbo potentially to alleviate some of those snaps from the D line. One way or the other, I think one more body in the front five is probably uh, in their best interest. Yeah, I, I I would agree, and I would love to have six defensive linemen on this team because I just think it ma- makes a lot of sense um, in terms of uh, keeping your bodies keeping healthy at this point. It also is one of the few places where at this point in the year 
you can still occasionally find a player who's pretty useful. And maybe Ndamukong Su is not the guy. You know, he's obviously expressed a desire to come back. But the Ravens, if you look back to 2019, brought in Pecco and Jelly Ellis, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. and we're able to get meaningful defensive snaps played at a, at a, at a I would say above the replacement level um, in both cases and and it really helped the team and and I I think that uh, uh, you know you could do that this year and uh, you know another big body would would make a lot of sense it also really help you if anything were to happen to Michael Pierce you'd be much more prepared to go and I think Travis Jones could take more snaps he's one of the only guys on the line who mm-hmm. who could who could do more than he's doing right now but. You'd still want to have another big body uh, in there to, to to be sure you were prepared. Yeah, uh, Brandon, what's Brandon Williams up to? Because he he latched on with KC late last year, and yeah. I think he actually notched a sack one of the few of his career when he was with the Chiefs last year. So uh, you know, there's there's some guys out there. Uh, what was that other big wide body that played for the Vikings for a long time? I think uh, joined uh, the Eagles late last year as well, but. His name's escaping me at the moment. I, but, uh, I would have to think about that. I do not know. <laughs> uh, and it's not well, Michael I, Pierce, though. <laughs> no, no. And it wasn't uh, Harris, Snacks Harrison either. I, regardless, uh, that is a place where, uh, yeah, you can, you can find a guy late, maybe on defensive line more than anywhere except for maybe running back, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about Malik Cunningham because he, he took over at Louisville uh, effectively right after um, – Lamar left there. Lamar's last year mm-hmm. was 2017. He started in 2018 at Louisville. They didn't play all the snaps there that year. Um, and then it was pretty much a regular for three straight years. Um, and then in, in 22 as well, although he was, he was hurt again um, for a portion of that. Um, definitely had an ascending look through three years in terms of what he was doing. Uh, obviously does some things that are fairly similar to Lamar, which I think is what has people so excited, aside from the fact that they got a 25-year-old quarterback again. Right. Toolsy player uh, showcased some playmaking ability in the preseason, especially. There was even rumors that he was uh, competing for the starting gig in New England. And, you know, arm strength, um, elusive with the ball in his hands, running on the ground. Uh, and if they're if they're able to keep him on the roster for the rest of the year, he will be an exclusive rice free agent to them, which I believe is about a half a million dollar cap hit next year. Ken, uh, it should be it should be a little bit more than that, right? Because it should be but seven hundred. I think is the league minimum, so maybe it's eight hundred or something. But it's not much, right? So that's really what I think this move is to to save some money. Um, Tyler Huntley is you know a little bit more tendered at this point. Josh Johnson. Um, so if you can replicate what Huntley can do, uh, which Cunningham has the tools to do uh, for cheaper, then that helps you uh, manage the rest of this roster, which is going to be tough to manage next spring. Tyler Tyler Huntley making a base salary of $2.6 this year. Uh, It is possible that he'd be a guy that would go make some money, and we're going to talk about the the number of exiting free agents the Ravens have. So saving $2 is not insignificant. But beyond that, I think that they'd also – they're looking for team control, first of all which is about saving money, but it's also about, you know, trying to play to a higher ceiling for Malik Cunningham, which I think mm-hmm. that has to be part of the equation here. They've got to be, be looking for a better backup quarterback for Lamar in the long run. I agree. I agree. You know, Holly's game manager, um, but if you have somebody with a little bit higher ceiling that can, you know, put the team on his back, make some plays when you need it, you know, pick up a third down, not that Holly never did that, but, uh, 
you know, I think his uh, contributions last year might have been a little bit overrated, making the Pro Bowl and those sort of things. So oh, really? Cunningham, the Pro Bowl was overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Cunningham, I think, I, 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 as soon as I saw this, I got excited, and uh, I think the cost is one of the very best in the league at at making these moves, these finding these gems, getting players under team control. John Simpson, Trayvon Mullen, um, they're just. You know, he just never stops working, uh, turning over every stone. And Ozzy did the same, and that's one of the hallmarks of the Ravens, I think. Yeah, they've got to be uh, – you have to be good at that when you're consistently great at drafting because you're going to be consistently turning over the roster. Uh, It's going to happen to the Ravens again this year. Uh, I I, I don't know how you can beat on DaCosta for being a bad draft pick, but I've seen various people on Twitter, you know, pick out, oh, look at the fourth and fifth and sixth round picks he's had. He sucks. You know, he's, he's just, and it's just, you know, you have to be such a micro focused person, even the second round picks. Now, the Ravens yeah. have had some problems with second round picks over the year. They also used two of their second round picks to pick Lamar Jackson in 2018. Yeah. So don't, don't, don't leave those out of the equation if we're going to talk the value of second round picks, for example. Torrey Smith, Ray Rice. Yeah, there's been a few yeah. hits in the second round as well. Um, you know, it's, uh, again, as you said, I think the 2018 draft class might be spoiled. From people thinking that day three picks yeah. hit at a, at a hot, larger hit rate than they do, you know that that draft class comes around once every twenty years. Yeah. So uh, yeah, day three picks. Uh, if you hit half of them, you're, you're that's an A. That's an A plus job. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've often thought that the reason that people refer to those things as lottery tickets is is unfortunate, and and I, EDC should not be the one who uses that terminology. They're, they're not lottery tickets. They're like poker entries in the World Series of Poker. I can mm-hmm. buy a ticket and Phil Ivey can buy, can pay in for 10000 to play in the World Series of Poker. Phil Ivey is the horse to bet on. Okay, right. We do not have equivalent lottery tickets to win the World Series of Poker. And that's really what this is, is, is that you're trying to say that, that, um, that the Ravens are no better drafting than any other team or than mm-hmm. the average team, at least, in, in those rounds. And that's complete horseshit. The, the other, yeah. the, one other argument I've heard is that is that – how would you know? Because it hasn't been the same guys making the draft picks. And I say it has been the same guys making the draft picks. <laughs> Literally, since the very right. first day of Ravens history, it's been Newsom sitting next to DaCosta or in the same room with DaCosta having the biggest influence on that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The whole entire time. That's very true. Um, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So we shall we transition into this uh this snaps, expected snaps lost uh graphic put up by Nick Corte, whoever the cat. A- absolutely. Talk through it. So uh Expected snaps lost or projected snaps lost essentially is how many players that are impending unrestricted free agents uh, on their team. And the Ravens have the second most this season at 43%. Um, you know, we've been talking about that since the beginning of this series, that it is a roster with a lot of one-year deals and expiring rookie contracts. Uh, maybe the most concerning thing, and I think there—I don't think this is a doomsday prognostication by any means. There's there's options, there's ways to work around it. There's multiple avenues. The one thing I don't—I'm not concerned about running back or linebacker really at all. The uh, but the some of the spots are clustered when you're looking at both of your offensive guards. You're looking at your top two defensive linemen. You're looking at two of your top three outside backers and two of your top four receivers. So they are kind of clustered in some positions and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I, very much so. And and that's I think that's the way to look at that most usefully. 
because they're going to have to let a lot of players go. And probably Geno Stone is going to have to go, but that's not the end of the world because they do have other safeties in-house. They have other safeties uh, that they'll probably pick up, and they've always been fantastic at, at finding uh, cheap safety talent. I will say this for the safeties. They're going to use a lot of safeties next year if Queen is gone, which ends up being a kind of a clustering right in itself. But if you get mm-hmm. rid of Queen, then all of a sudden your weak side linebacker has to include a dime back again. So they mm-hmm. have to have they have to be prepared for that. And if you if you really are moving Hamilton to the slot permanently, which I hope they do, then they need another safety for that too. So there will be some mm-hmm. need. Yeah. Uh, um, what do you want to talk about specifically in terms of position groupings first? Well, I mean that was pretty much it. But just how that put how that sets them how it sets up the landscape, the backdrop, mm-hmm. the twelfth least cap space in the league. At 13 million projected, and I don't know if you caught this, Ken, but uh, it was last week. Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap uh, lowered his um, 2024 yeah. cap projection by 13 million dollars from uh, 255 to 243 or 242, and that's based off of rumblings he's here he heard at the owners' meetings. Um, that makes a big difference. So when you combine 43 percent of snaps lost with the 12th least cap space. That's where, you know, you got to find some kind of solutions here. And it's going to be, you know, multi-pronged. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid of what that means in terms of void years, that they're probably going to, going to again, dip their toes into that. And, and, you know, honestly, paying off your void years is like paying off a mortgage anyway. You don't, you'd have to do it, you know, over the course of four years or something. You- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your get yourself out of that mess, but they're gonna they're probably gonna have to go in deeper next year because right. um, they're in such uh, the thirteen million of reduction. If it holds up, and it might not, but if it holds up, it affects the teams on the margin a lot more than it affects the teams who have sixty seventy million. If you have sixty or seventy million, you have thirteen million reduction. Your first reaction ought to be a double fist pump because in if wealth is relative, and you just right. gained a ton. So the teams that already have a bunch of cornerstone contracts get screwed out of it. But if you're looking for two reasons why Patrick Queen is not going to get really paid at the highest level, I think that might be one. Um, and the other might be that that um, uh, teams come to their senses about the inside linebacker position potentially because of it. And it's not completely unrelated and say that we're not going to pay an inside linebacker when we have $13 million less to pay in total. Agreed. Agreed. And apparently that, you know, we were hearing rumors of this TV money was going to be a land, a landfall. Um, but I guess it's just not bumping up as fast as they thought. Maybe they're still paying off some of the, some of the COVID, uh, you know, borrowing for comparison, Kansas city has 
expected to lose or, or potentially could lose 32% of their snaps. So that's a significant number as well. I think they were ninth or 10th, but they have almost three times as much cap space as the Ravens. So that gives them a lot more maneuverability. How many under contract do they have currently, though? That's, I that's didn't see deal. that. I, I just kind of figured snaps loss is kind of a, a fill-in for that, for okay. that, you know. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's a, you're right. That's probably a pretty good uh, way to look at it. This this was one of the factors that Fitzgerald looked at when he came on the show earlier in the year, and he's saying, "Well, the Ravens are have the 27th worst cap position in the or 27th best, so fifth, five from the bottom in terms mm-hmm. of of cap position." Um, and one of the things he was looking at was the percentage of the roster that was going to turn over. Uh, but I, I would say, if anything, it got worse with the news of a reduction in cap. So. Um, yeah, you, 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 you definitely, the more you're underwater in terms of cap, you want more, you want those cap dollars to be inflated and, uh, have them have less value than the ones you've already committed to. Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a combination of factors. You're going to replace some of those snaps with rookies. Hypothetically, you're going to retain some of the players. You're going to bring in some new players and, you know, you're going to rely on some in-house development as well, but I think they are. Pretty clearly by, you know, all these different metrics behind the eight ball, I think there's probably three options of how to proceed, three different strategic options. But uh, I can I can lay those out unless you want to do a dovetail on that. I, I, I think, um, you know, the one way the Ravens have kind of done it is, quote unquote, a competitive rebuild. I think you can kind of look at the 2013 season that way. Um, where you're playing with a short deck, you know you're playing with a short deck, but you're going to try to, you know, just get in the dance. Maybe you're not a top five roster, but you're a top 10 roster and see if you can catch lightning in a bottle. That's right. option one. That's pretty much what they did for the last decade. It, maybe not exactly, but a, as a general macro th- theory. Um, the second one would be to keep pushing, keep borrowing, keep void year, keep, uh, you know, backloading deals, restructuring contracts, and see if you can keep Zeitler in particular, I think kind of is maybe the tipping point here. If you're going to try to push pretty hard for 2024, you probably keep Zeitler. Um, And then the other one is to kind of reset the cap and do do a cap reset, even though you don't want to during your franchise quarterback's contract, it might be in the team's best interest. And you kind of take a look, you take an eye towards say this next year we're gonna we're not gonna sign a bunch of aging outside veterans we're gonna trade away guys that are maybe on a one year deal that are in their you know mid early thirties or we're gonna look towards twenty twenty five and then really build up a war chest for that. Okay, well, let's take, let's talk about that and what it might look like. I mean, the obvious players that they'd be talking about unloading in a process like that. I think you'd have to start with Ronnie Stanley. I I, I don't think I'm for it just because of the barriers to reenter and, and what it would do mm-hmm. for Lamar and his unhappiness here. If, you know, they're not, don't have a solution at left tackle when they, when they make themselves a pr- big problem like that. Um, you know, Morgan Moses is so cheap. I don't think he would be the, the, the issue at all. You wouldn't resign Matt Pique, So you degrade your defensive line. And honestly, the other guy you might try and trade and it wouldn't be for much because he hasn't been healthy the whole time is Marlon Humphrey. And right. he's he's a you know he's a good player, big cap number. But if you're going to reset the cap, you're talking about eating a bunch of dead money in one year. And I'd have to actually look and see just how costly that would be for the Ravens to do. But uh, for Humphrey, I think yeah. they they redid him not too long a couple ago, times. So yeah. yeah, this year yeah. they've done it. 
Yeah. So if they in 24, it's basically a break even thing. They lose about 1 million. So they could do it over a two year deal. But the idea used is you would you would be resetting the cap really with the 25 and 26 numbers going to somebody else. So I'm not I'm not I am not in favor of that. Let me be clear about this of the of the choices. And unfortunately, this would involve a lot of borrowing. However, you go. I want the the um, uh, nice level rebuild. As a season ticket holder, I don't want them to say your tickets are worth nothing next year. I do not want that. Uh, I, sure. I, I don't want them to tell me to, to come come and support the team to a, at a bunch of cold December games uh, for the tickets you paid for. Even though we're not, you know, we're not uh, we're two games out of the wild card. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, I, I'd be frustrated by that. It's tough, you know. They haven't done it in twenty years. I don't. That may be the longest stretch that I'm aware of. I know Pittsburgh and New England are, and Green Bay are stability-minded teams as well. But 20 years without uh, with just spending up to the cap every single year for 20 years—that's a that's a long way. That's a long time. And and uh, you know, I think there is, and I, and I don't have a strong feeling one way or another. I just don't want to be banging your head against the center block wall with the top 12 roster for. 10 years or five years thinking that you're going to break through because I do think a little bit of revisionist history from 2012, they were a better, they didn't, they weren't the best team, but as yeah. far as the talent on the, on the team, they were top five going into that season. Oh, I didn't think so. So we said, well, well, going into the season, they, and power rankings. Okay. By so power rankings yeah, and by odds. Yeah, so I probably agree with you, but the injuries very early in that year to Lardarius Webb, who was the best cornerback in the entire league. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Ray Lewis, of course, degraded their roster pretty quickly. I'd say for full season talent, that team was the worst of the five of the first five Harbaugh teams that all made the playoffs. And they incredibly were the one that, that made it all through way through and, and won the Super Bowl. I, I, you know, it's just like the people who say, who, who point to the run and play strategy or, or whatever you want to call it, the, the level level performance strategy mm-hmm. will point to 2012 and say, um, look, that's all they need to do is continue to continue to get lottery tickets. And eventually they'll get in, they'll win one. And the people, the other people who say, I want to ride the roller coaster because everybody else is doing it, which is not really true, um, point to the LA Rams a couple of years and they say, look, right. that that pays off. You can trade every draft pick you have. It doesn't matter. You can win a Super Bowl with it. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you, Ken. I, I think 2012, I do think it was be- a better walking into the season. So that's what we're talking about is are you, are you I mean, th- that team was pretty mortgaged to uh, as well. That, that mm-hmm. team had some a lot of backloaded deals, and they were, you know, let's sign Suggs and keep his cap hits low because we're going to we want to keep Lewis and Reed and Bolden and everybody around. And they knew they were going to have to pay Flacco. Um, anyway, point being, I think the the idea that if you are too aggressive, that the bottom's going to completely fall out on you, and you're going to have, you know, three years in a row where you're finishing last place. I don't necessarily buy that. I think the Ravens showed in 2002 that mm-hmm. they are uh, capable of rebuilding quickly. They actually won more games from 2002 to 2005 after going all in in 2001 than they did in 2013 to 2015 after trying to levelize uh, the losses. Um, and the other point I would make is uh, both the Rams – who are more irresponsible with draft pick trades than any team I can remember, and the Saints, who are more irresponsible with mortgaging the salary cap than any team, they're both sitting at six and seven right now. So they're not, you know, 
the Panthers or the Bears. But but okay, they, and they happen to be sitting in six and seven in the NFC, where six and seven puts you right in the middle of the wild card hunt. But is that where you want to be as a season ticket holder? Do I want to know like going into a season? I mean, it's it's weak as hell NFC. Um, so in some in some ways, actually, it's barbell NFC. It's very weak. Uh, uh, at the at the at the bottom end, they have the, the worst teams in the National Football League are over on that side of the of, of the of the ledger, and the and some of the best teams are as well with San Francisco and Dallas and Philadelphia, but the teams in the middle all seem to be six and seven. <laughs> so, right, know, right. I, 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 yeah, I guess, right. I, and, and we and I know we have a slightly this different opinion on this. Theoretically, I don't know if uh, having the tenth best roster improves your odds of making that Super Bowl run much more than having the 15th best. So if you're borrowing here to get a little bit higher here, to take away a little bit from this other season here, I'm just not sure how dramatic that would be. But I think it will be very interesting to see, you know, they did open up that Voyeur's can of worms. Are they going to chase it? Are they going to – I don't think they're going to reset, although I wouldn't – I don't think that's a terrible idea personally. Um or are they going to try to levelize? So uh, it'll, I think it's going to be interesting because, they are, as I said, they are behind the eight ball. Something uh, they need to make some strategic choices here. Yeah, and I, the strategic uh, the, the strategic choice could be just to continue with a with a, a level ship, but it is a strategic choice because they'll pay more to do it this next year than they have in the past because of the unexpected rejiggering of cap improve it like uh escalating the value of each cap dollar for next year just they're not inflating away cap dollars so yeah it's it, it is a really it's a it's a thorny issue for the ravens i'm sure that they when they heard that news or or they you know they they were made privy to the information that the cap was likely to go down next year if in, in truth that's the case they had to be very upset about it sure sure uh Fortunately, they didn't tap into void years, you know, three years ago when other people were doing it. They were more targeted, so they should be able to dig out from that that twenty five million or so what it is uh, relatively quickly. But do you want to take it all in one year, or do you want to spread it out over four? And I think there's probably somewhere in the middle. Really, might be the best. So the one other thing that I would point to is the Ravens on offense have the one player who lifts all boats. Okay. Given that they have that one player, and given that on defense they have two guys, and Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton, who I think are very similar, um, they're, they're not, they don't have quite the impact on the game because they don't touch the ball every play, but they do have the impact in terms of of making the structure really hold together and and, and doing a lot of playmaking themselves. Are are you? It should we look at this team differently? Ray Lewis and Ed Reed could do that for a def- defense together. And the Ravens, they didn't really have a single offensive player. They had a good offensive line, but they had a really, you know, a, a pretty average quarterback at that time who who was a, you know, a game manager. Are, aren't the Ravens in a better position to replicate a 2012 now with this set of personnel? I agree. I was going to make that same point. They have arguably the biggest force multiplier on both sides of the ball. We can't really say that until – if God forbid Roquan missed a couple games to evaluate the defense, but hypothetically or theoretically, that's what they were sold as when they signed him. The force multiplier on the defense, the force multiplier on Lamar on the offense. Uh, they insulate you from, I think, a really low ceiling. They raise your ceiling on their own. So maybe that gives you a little more opportunity. I'm sorry. They raise your floor mm-hmm. on their own. So that maybe gives you more uh, impetus to chase a little bit of ceiling. Okay. All right. 
Uh, any other any other topics we need to discuss today? I think we wanted to talk on the mailbag question. Oh, yeah, of course. No, I knew there was something. Okay, so let's bring that up for a second. And John Big Booty, which is one of the all-time great handles, <laughs> by the way, says, um, is Matt BK worth the dollars? He's going to want a lot, but correct me if I'm wrong, is it tough to find DTs that make as much of an impact as he does? Um, on a related note, do you think his success this year – has more to do with his own play, or is it more a function of the rest of the defensive scheme and the defense around him um, he, he refers to? It's a great question, by the way. And I know one of the points that you'd made, and I, I should let you make it, but I'm going to make it for you because I think it's that good, is that his relationship between um, pressures and finishes is way out of whack for a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Yes, Um I was just looking at this before the question even came across. There's a chart put out today that uh, juxtaposed pass rush win rate against a uh, double team rate. And Matabike is in the bottom left quadrant, which is not where you want to be. That's the worst spot as far as lowest uh, amount of pass rush wins. Um, the thing about him is, and I think this might be maybe – the trade-off is he's not as dominant of a run defender as some of the really elite D tackles, but he has the closing burst to get the quarterback on the ground when he does hit him. He's he, as we've said, he's converting a high percentage of his pressures into sacks, which most defensive tackles don't do. They're flailing around trying to, and the quarterback kind of gives them a little shimmy and they go flying by or whatever. Uh, all that being said, I do think Matabike's Production is in large part due to scheme mm-hmm. and surrounding talent. Uh, Brad Spielberger put out his projections this week. He pegged Matabike at 92 million over four years, 23 million wow. per. I'm not there. I'm in. I'm mid teens. Uh, I'm mid teens. Well, as good as he is, and he number one player, I'd like to resign. Is either to be my number two, but. Um, I think 23 million is, is, is not, would be an overpay. And I, and I think you have to draw the line uh, somewhere. It'd be interesting. They, they don't have anybody obvious to replace him. Um, so it'd, it'd make it a draft priority right away. Uh, they'd probably reach down into a similar round as they did to get him, which was a third round player, which means it might be a multi-year build to, to, to so Travis Jones is a guy really, really have to come through if you're doing that. And I think, if you don't get Matabike, the one thing I'll say is you have to get Michael Pierce back. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the the and and I, I I want him anyway. Even if they get Matabike, I want yeah. Michael Pierce back. Uh, all right, but I think I'd be with you. The twenty three million a year is an awful lot, um, and and you're gonna you're really gonna have to sacrifice just about everywhere else if you decide you want to make that move. Um, if if he may he may be. He may, I, that may be too high a number, um, and he, I, I don't know to what degree he's he's figured it for a two hundred and forty versus two hundred and fifty five million dollar uh, total salary cap. But that would make it potentially would make a lot of difference on the margin and more than just a pro rata amount. So I'm just saying it's not two hundred and forty two hundred and fifty fifths of twenty three million is what he would expect to be. It's it's because there's less total money in the system. You've already spent eighty percent of it on most rosters. It's it's you know a bigger cut than that would right. take out of top salaries like this. Um, but there will be demand. 
um, there will be demand definitely for him. And I agree with you. I think it's it's more been a scheme issue where he's one of the greatest cleanup men that we've seen in the NFL in a long time in terms of uh, of uh, taking the ball, um, taking the uh, the quarterback down after after um, first pressure. Yeah, just very twitchy. So that works for him. But to me, if you're going to have a cornerstone, cornerstone contract, the $23 million, that's essentially 10% of the cap defensive lineman, I want Pelodi Nada, who can do everything at an elite level. Uh, you know, just not – even though you, he has those gaudy sack numbers, a lot of that is not, you know, sticky year to year. And next year, you know, the, the, the cleanup – opportunities and the second chance opportunities don't come and he only has four sacks and and you're and you overpaid by a lot yeah yeah i just i was thinking the exact same number when you're trying to project like what he might do next year if it's a little bit of a down year but four sacks is probably a pretty reasonable uh pretty reasonable number in there Mm -hmm. all right Mm -hmm. well john really appreciate your question thanks for uh jumping in everybody out there uh make sure if you have questions for friday morning gm or any of the other uh film study programs use hashtag film study mailbag uh, to uh, to submit those uh, comments are fine too. By the way, we'll we'll air those and you know probably have some own uh, own comments on them ourselves. Um, but uh, but this is an exceptional question and uh, uh, thanks, John. Voss, always a pleasure doing this show with you. Uh, you want to tell folks whether you can talk football with you online? Sure, I am at Vasilis Beatdown on Twitter X V A S I L I S Beatdown. Uh, manager co-managing editor and writer, author for Baltimore Beatdown Blog. And I have another podcast that live streams Thursday night, 7 o'clock, called The Raven's Way at Raven's Way Pod. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you're interested in, ha- in being on a film study short, hit me up. Getting some great ideas these last this last month, just fantastic ideas. And I want to want you to keep them coming. Some of them we won't be able to get, get to until the offseason. Others we might record now and put out in the offseason. But get those ideas in, please. I'll promise you I'll get back to you very quickly and we'll discuss them. Uh, and uh, if you have a if if you've been enjoying Friday morning GM, if you could write a review for the show, that'd be terrific. Um, we don't have any that are like specific to Friday morning GM, which would be kind of nice to have out there. Um, and and uh, yeah, have the various podcast apps uh, picking those up and showing to people as a review. So if you like the show, um, write us fifty words of uh, of love and uh, <laughs> and give us a five star rating, please. But uh, uh, we uh, we we do appreciate the loyal listeners we have here. Absolutely. For, for Vasilarikos, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next time on Friday Morning GM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.